Hey guys, before we get started today, I wanted to remind you that the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny is fueled by Gatorade. Gatorade's proven formula, whatever path you take, greatness starts with G. Also, check out our newest podcast, Swagoo and Perk, led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst and really just all-around best human in the world, Marcus Spears, that's Swagoo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Swagoo and Perk will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news as well as a look inside their lives with can't-miss conversations. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your pods. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks turnover is what you do when you want to get your tummy scratched. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes, and I am joined on a... I, don't, I feel like eventful underplace what we are dealing with today. Uh, Greg Rosenthal, the one of the hosts of the Around the NFL podcast, frequent Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, contributor. I texted you, I think, like three days ago with the premise for the, today's show, being like, hey, we should talk about like who the actual good defenses are. And we actually are going to talk about that in the second half of the podcast. But then the entire NFL exploded, and it is nonstop. I'm worried what's going to happen during this podcast that we're going to be late. Like OBJ, I feel like there's one more oh, thing to drop. It feels like a good point, uh, a good moment rather to point out that the recording platform that we use to tape this, you can pick your own name. Greg picked Teddy, which makes sense. He's a, a, a Teddy enthusiast. I wrote OBJ Sr. thinking, ha ha ha. Then I realized, oh wait, OBJ, it's you can't be a junior senior. So it's should have been he's obs obs doesn't sound as good as obj but he is obs obs sounds like something you have to like treat with over-the-counter drug or something it sounds like uh, rem's biggest fan you know obj (laughs) i i understand that there are serious ramifications to that story and by the way we will talk about it and i thought baker handled himself pretty well today all things considered um when asked about it but the just the general idea of a dad, I think in his fifties, uploading that video, which he definitely didn't make, but he definitely uploaded it horizontally and did all the hashtags himself. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> it's like so so many hashtags. Like, what, did, did he think that those were popular hashtags that people are just like clicking on? There were so many. I I loved it all. I I know there are serious ramifications, but it's kind of like it reminds me of the the. Uh, David Carr, you know, one of my colleagues at NFL Network, his tweet earlier this week. It's like, I I wish my brother and my dad were in my corner that much. I think they have more mixed feelings about me than OBJ's (laughs) dad or, you know, Derek Carr's brother. I mean, I have a very online family, so I can kind of (laughs) relate. Um, I, on a different show, debatable, I called my brother, I compared him to Marcus Vick. Because I called Ooh. him a clout chaser, basically. <laughs> no offense, Marcus Vick. <laughs> and then he he was insulted by it, but then tweeted about it. It's like, well, you're kind of proving my point here. But anyways, my mom is a star on her own. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Derrick Henry and everything going on there. Um, the Saints with this Jameis and Michael Thomas news. But I feel like we have to start with the biggest news of the day, week, upcoming NFL weekend, which is that Aaron Rodgers is out with COVID. And 
he was out. So the, the news came out that he was out it, it, today, right? Not yesterday, this morning. And then it, it, they said, the I don't know who reported it first, but it was reported that he's out. And I think people were confused because it was so definitive, uh, given that you know you, if you're vaccinated, you can test negative twice within 24 hours, which is what happened with Devontae Adams, right? Like it went down to the wire, um, even though we kind of figured, eh, it's pretty hard, you know? I, mean, I think that one happened a little bit closer. With Rodgers, they were like, he's out. And I think there was some confusion, Greg, uh, until it was then subsequently revealed, and and this explained why he's out, uh, that he is unvaccinated. Um, So for once, Aaron Rodgers is not getting a free play. Uh, He will not be Mm. on the field too much, too much now on Sunday. I I, could have gone Rodgers rate, but I feel like um, I had to be different. (laughs) Um, Look, you and I don't have to talk about the virtue of... Being vaccinated, I'm sure everyone who listens to this knows what we think about it, which is that um, you should be vaccinated for a myriad reasons that are now very public. But for the pack, from the Packers' perspective, this is a little bit confu- it was confusing because um, he was asked about it this summer, and he was asked if he was vaccinated, and he said he had been immunized. And now we're in this weird space where people are asking, wait, so this whole time, was he wearing a mask? Was he following the rules? And did he tell the truth? No, clearly. Uh, So I guess I just want to get your immediate reaction before we get into the impact on the game. Yeah, I'm not going to like get too worked up about him trying to lawyerly say immunized versus vaccinated and what that means. You know, our our guy at at NFL Network, Ian Rapport, said uh, he tried a, a homeopathic method, which he applied uh, for like an exception with the NFL and the NFLPA and both denied it. And and um, if if you kind of know a little bit more about Aaron Rodgers, his relationship, maybe all of this like isn't totally shocking. They can find out, though, if he was you know breaking the the rules and whether there would be any sort of punishment. Yeah. But put, but putting that aside, it does put like a, a clock on when he returns, it makes this game, which I know we were already going to talk about to me more as fascinating, maybe more fascinating that we get to see Jordan love. And um, it helps me imagine like your reaction when you found out this news on an airplane. Cause I, I imagine like a Yelp, like a Lenny, uh, like Yelp, a Yelp. I, I did Yelp. And then I'm not going to lie. I, ch- I checked the calendar because Green Bay is playing Seattle. I'm, I'm just going to, they are playing Seattle 11 days and the 10 day clock started now. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I will say just as far as, so his availability, you know, when you're, if you're unvaccinated and by the way, this is why reporters are asking. It's not because they are obsessed with your quarterback's personal life. It's because there is, there are actual rules and ramifications for players availability when it comes to vaccination and status for games. And um, he is out at least 10 days, at least. Right. So Obviously, he won't be playing in this game, and I think it's it's and beyond that, I I I don't think he's going to get suspended or anything if, if they do find out they didn't follow the rules. I guess there's that's there's still a lot of reporting on that. It feels like to me the NFL is not just given how they've operated around stuff. I would be surprised if they'd be wanting to wade into that culture war candidly and like you know it's like part of this national conversation Plus the but packers knew he was unvaccinated it's not like it was a surprise to them so to them right yeah. even though it's self-serving reporting i tend to believe that they've been operating in a way that would try to avoid any problems yeah well i it's 
I have no idea, but uh, I do know he's not playing in this game. And I, I'll just say I would have picked the Packers, no doubt, if he was playing. So this makes it, aside from the Jordan love of it all, this makes the game much more interesting. I mean, it was already kind of the game of the weekend, I think, especially with everything that's been going on with the Chiefs over the last few weeks and sort of how up and down they've been, barely beating the Giants most recently. But um, as far as like welcome to the NFL it's a tough, it's like a very big stage for Jordan Love, but it's a bad defense. So, um, I, you know, he's got that going for him. I mean, you watched Jordan Love during the preseason. What did you make of him? And how do you think he fares in this matchup? I think he's got a shot. I think they have a shot to win. LaFleur has been so resourceful with guys out. They might get Devontae out. They probably will get Devontae Adams back. That's not even confirmed. They're probably getting David Bakhtiari back. They are getting Alan Lazard back. I mean, these are, they might get uh, Valdez Scantling back, it sounds like. Like, these are significant players, especially Bakhtiari uh, and Adams. He was a lot. Like, he's so much. I was surprised that people didn't have, like, a bigger reaction to love in the preseason. I know he got hurt and missed a lot of it. And even from the eight pre- the eight snaps he took in week one when he came in for Rodgers, like, that was such a perfect encapsulation of what his preseason which was, which was so much. Like, he had a 37-yard, you know, in the air, off his back foot, throw to the sideline that was yeah. just like an unreal throw he had a great throw while rolling to the left and he had a fumble uh showing very little awareness in the red zone and that was basically what his preseason was uh, mm-hmm. in, except for for 40 snaps some just like incredible plays and some terrible red zone plays and some big mental errors like he reminded me of young josh allen a little bit which was like mm-hmm. it was kind of a wild ride and kind of fun to watch and i'm interested to see it well, it's interesting because this is a Green Bay offense that doesn't – we've seen most recently in the Arizona game – doesn't ask that much out of the quarterback, right? And, I, and you got to think, Matt LaFleur, there's, there's going to be an option element that obviously hasn't been there with Rodgers as well. But the, the run game, you know, in the last game without Adams and Lazard, uh, absolutely dominated an Arizona defense that's better than the Chiefs defense. So – I kind of think that they're going to just run the ball 500 times in this one. Um, I will say the Chiefs defense did look better in the Giants game, granted against a kind of underwhelming Giants offense there that was also missing players. But there has been some improvement. Um, I think, you know, getting Chris Jones lineup more back, he he was he played more defensive tackle in this giant in the Giants game than I think he has all year. I don't have the snap count in front of me and was pretty dominant rushing from the inside. And then Melvin Ingram is going to play, or I think is likely to play in this game, who they traded for, of course. And uh, again, hopefully makes it more likely that Chris plays inside. Um, I, I actually am kind of coming around on the Chiefs linebacking group, which is to say uh, Willie Gay Jr. and Nick Bolton. So those two. <laughs> Um, and you know, I, I, I think the, the problems in this Chiefs defense are ones, gosh, I mean, Jordan Love has to know about Daniel Sorensen, right? 
<laughs> he does. I mean, if he reads Twitter, he does. I'm at the point I feel bad. Sorensen is just getting You've, like I, every I, Twitter I, joke mm, is about Sorensen. I had one I actually kind of felt bad about. I don't know if you happen to see, but it was a a, a a cat with a sniper rifle aiming at a sad cat. <laughs> see, that was that was good. If you go like the next level, that's good. But I like I keep seeing it like during the week and just like that. That's all love needs to know. Uh, there will be that though. I I think the the Chiefs they've shown though a history under Spagnolo of getting better over the course of the season. They've had some flaming, yeah. terrible defenses in the first couple of months of the season, and they do tend to figure some things out. Uh, you know, even Frank Clark made a couple of plays, which they really could use. That hasn't been happening. Um, but I, I just think love might be a little tricky to prepare for. And I'm like giving, I'm giving Matt LaFleur the benefit of the doubt in these situations. Now at some point, like him being 33 and seven as a regular season coach, like, it he's has awesome. to matter. It's you, he's he's a coach of the year, right? Like, would, wouldn't you? Say, I mean, I guess. Hmm, that's pretty Peyton good. Like, might he, be in the mix, depending on what. Happens I think they figure him. out how to hide their weakness as well, too. And I think defensively, yeah. they've been better. They've been resourceful at the very least, and they're playing, you know, okay, against yeah, the, yeah, a struggling yeah. offense. The the one number I did want to say on on love, which I think points out what I was saying before, though, is if I know it's a tiny sample size, but in his forty plus snaps this year so far. Like you, you read PFF and there's like big time throw rate, you know, which is just like a great throw, the percentage that he makes mm. a great throw and turnover worthy play rate, which, mm. which is, it speaks for itself. He would lead the league by like 50% in both categories if those 40 snaps were actually, you know, Jesus. over the course of the season. So it's just like, it's all Chaos. big. And I feel like that could be fun. I have a number for you. It's 158.3. That's the passer rating that quarterbacks have throwing at Daniel Sorensen this year. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I think I'm rooting for love. Yeah, I'm totally. I mean, God, the guy had wild off season. You know, cards are stacked against him. I would love to see him come out and have a great game. Um, and and just to what you said about Lafleur, like again, I keep going back to that Cardinals game. It wasn't like he said, "Wow, we're outgunned. We don't have any wide receivers. Twelve, go out there and make magic." He that whole offense was built out of like sticks and glue, right? Like it was all these really short, quick throws to the outside. Granted, you know, Aaron Rodgers um, did make some pretty exceptional throws in this game, like the touchdown throw to Cobb. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, like Matt Lafleur really knows how to game plan. That's that's all. So I think on that side of the ball, um, if there was a game where I think you know the it would be good for a good debut, I suppose for Jordan Love in some ways, it's this one. Uh, on the other side, I, gosh, I've spent so much time over the last two weeks now on television talking about what's wrong with the Chiefs defense, offense, pardon me, not the defense. We know what's wrong with the defense. Um, I guess, what is your panic level? It's higher. It's way higher now after the last two weeks because hmm. they really weren't that bad in offense the first month of the season. They were great offense. It just kept turning the ball over in the red zone, but in three of the last four games, they've averaged under five yards per play and they're not against like great opponents. And they, I keep hearing everyone say like, well, you just got to be patient. They just got to be more patient. Like mm. how much more patient can they get? They are retreating. They Mahomes was 15 for 15 behind the line of scrimmage last yeah. week. He threw 15 right. throws, you know, they are, they are the patience personified. He's throwing the ball 50 times for like 250 yards. It's, they're just not effective. Like they're not the chiefs unless they have some big play element and the whole being patient thing works, I guess if they were a good running game, but they're not particularly good and they don't seem 
interested in doing it. Not that I'm like run the ball guy, but I just I'm trying to think of how they can get these defenses out of showing the same looks. They both sides know what's coming every single week yeah. in Chiefs games. And like they the same thing keeps happening. So at this point, I'm sort of expecting the struggles to continue until I see otherwise. I think they're I think you're absolutely right. Like they are being paid. Like Pat, Pat Mahomes is you know, making mistakes and some mental errors and there's a, some skittishness in the pocket. But on a lot of these drives, it, it they are trying to build it out of short throws. So it's not like it's just, you know, bombs away against too high. Um, a couple things that stuck out to me in this last game. So really last couple of games or so, but in the past, so I, our mutual friend, Stephen Rees posted a chart showing how good the Chiefs have been against too high in the past. So it's not like do I was invented this year? Same thing. This is went through this too. I think it's like there was it the Patriots played in the 2008 AFC championship and they yeah. still put up 30, whatever points. It just took them a little bit to get there. So I think that the, uh, there's a huge issue right now with Kansas city to my eye, uh, which is in the past when they've faced single high coverage, that's when you get the deep crossers to Tyreek Hill, right out of the slot. And, he, he's so effective at generating big plays against that, uh, those types of coverages. In the past, versus too high, the answer has been Travis Kelsey. He's been so, during the Mahomes era, he's been so good at like finding those soft spots in the zone and then getting you like an extra two or three yards after the catch. So you can just kind of string together these, you know, nine to 12 yard completions. He looks off. I. He is not winning at the line of scrimmage. It really jumped out to me in the Tennessee game uh, when Dane Creekshank, who was a backup safety, bodied him uh, on a couple of RPOs. And I think the you're what you're seeing now, in addition to the lack of the run game, which we can talk about, is oh, this whole thing was built out of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and if one of those guys, the one who you need to do c- combat this kind of defense isn't 100% right. I don't know what's going on. Suddenly, there aren't any other options. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing about Kelsey. And I hesitate to say that because, you know, he's on pace for over 1,000 yards. But he is 32 years old. I do think effective defenses in the past, Belichick, you know, being one of them, often sort of tried to focus on slowing down Kelsey, stopping Kelsey, because just stop one of the two and the, the rest of it breaks. And it's put Mahomes out of rhythm. You know, Peyton Manning was really hitting this in, in the part of the Manning cast I watched, which I thought was interesting just from his perspective, just how out of rhythm he is on the intermediate throws that he's just, he's not seeing it immediately. And then you're right. It's often him looking at Kelsey. It would be great if it was someone else though, too. You know, if, <laughs> if another one of the receivers like Demarcus Robinson, whoever it's going to be is stepping up, but he's just not confident in making that throw when he hits his back foot and that he's just, mm-hmm. just out of rhythm, out of rhythm. And, and it sounded like Manny had watched, you know, a handful of games and coming up mm-hmm. with this idea. And I'm, I'm not one to question his opinion. Um, you know, that one drive in the giants game where they just ran the ball over with, uh, shoot Derek Gore, right? Who's not right. related. To I had to, Gore. I, I couldn't have been the old, only person that Googled immediately whether he was related to Frank Gore. Weirdly, then they didn't go back to him for much of the game. I thought he looked awesome on that drive, especially the the touchdown. But, um, you know, I do think 100% they need to run the ball more. I also think um, Marcus Spears pointed this out on our show Monday. Uh, A lot of the 
the concepts they were using on that drive, in particular the touchdown where it was um, the guard, the rookie guard, Trey Smith, who pulled and had that nasty block. I think you, you know, you probably saw every offensive lineman you follow on Twitter sharing that over and over. Um, that, People that love is, the Chiefs offensive line. Like well, that's the kind of run game they're built for. Like they signed all these power guys, right? Humphrey, uh, they drafted Smith, Orlando Brown Jr., who's clearly like, you know, this is maybe not the right offense for him. Um, and it kind of feels like they need to embrace the rushing attack that their offensive line is built for. Uh, and you saw it on display there. And I, I, I do wonder if we'll see it in this game because the Packers run defense, despite um, a lot of success against Arizona and I think improvement, and we can talk about that, still not great. Uh, 30th in DVOA against the run, 18th against the pass. Again, an improving unit no doubt, but uh, this feels like one where Kansas City should run the ball. Right. They were searching for it. I feel like I'm back in like 2006 internet and everyone's just going crazy <laughs> that Andy Reid won't run the ball in Philadelphia uh. when like Brian Westbrook was at his very peak and they had these maulers like Trey Thomas and stuff up front. Uh, but it's true. When you watch the games, it just seems like that's that's a solution. And Gord does look like he has some juice. Uh, I think that would be it just it make it makes too much sense but Andy Reid just he's not that he's I don't know he's not built for that they are actually ranked higher running the ball I was shocked by this uh DVOA the Chiefs are than than passing so they've been pretty efficient when they've tried to do it and against the Packers especially with that linebacker group like they cut Jalen Smith this week I don't know what happened there in his month there but they are I think they're still searching for like how to get better play at the second level I thought I think they've done a pretty good job coaching around not having Zadaria Smith and Jair Alexander well Devondre Campbell like um Packers been good. fans are yeah he has been good and at Packers fans I think they're just so starved for like decent linebacker play um if you like say anything about him, they get so excited and he has been he was really good in the uh, Arizona game in particular I thought um and uh, I mean, yeah, like they got guys like Russell Douglas, like coming out of nowhere and contributing merciless. Right. But ultimately, like this is it's about Kenny Clark, uh, Lowry and then uh, and then Gary, you know, and, and I'd say on the back end, I don't know what the deal is with Jair Alexander, but um, like we know what they're going to do. We know what this defense is going to do in this game. I think it just comes down to, again, like will Kansas City make the necessary adjustments. Are they capable of it? Do they have the personnel? Um, yeah. I, or they I just like play better. I feel like, I feel like we sometimes put so much on game plans and yeah. the chiefs this year is like a great example of, I don't know. It's not about the game plans. Most of the time it's just well, it's about like, yeah, which, well, look, which like, players are better and which like, ones can execute he's getting for whatever beat. reason they're in their own <laughs> like, head. That, that's right. not a game plan right. thing. Like if he he's getting one on ones versus a backup safety, if you can't beat him off the line of scrimmage, that's not Andy Reid's fault, you know. Like, um, I do think the running the run pass balance obviously does reflect that a little bit. But yeah, uh, Mahomes needs to make fewer mistakes, and um, there's I you know a little bit of intermittent accuracy issue, I think, but. I, I think I, I want to pick the Packers just because I do want you? The chaos that happens after. Oh my God. You know, why? you don't know what's, I don't know what's going to happen. You might as well pick for what would be a, a fun outcome because I can't, I wouldn't, I would love to see like all the talk shows <sighs> and everything after that. <laughs> I'm going, yeah, oh my God, it would be crazy. I'm going, I, I think 
The Chiefs, what you said, I think both of these defenses are actually improving. Um, Packers' defense is certainly better already, but I, I think the Chiefs' defense is... You, you, what you said earlier about how Andy Reid's or Steve Spagnuolo's defenses rather get better as the season go along, goes along is true, and I do think they're slowly kind of, you know, just being... You don't have to be good. You just can't be the worst defense in the NFL. Um, team that does not have the worst defense in the NFL, in fact, has one of the best defenses in the NFL, and we will talk about them, is the New Orleans Saints. Unfortunately, they lost both their starting quarterback, Jameis Winston, to ACL, and Michael Thomas, who uh, announced today that he is out for the entire season. Um, I read somewhere, Taysom Hill is like limited in practice, so... I, I actually have no idea what they're going to go with, Greg. I think I suspect it's going to be Trevor Simeon with Taysom doing Taysom stuff until or unless Simeon implodes. Um, do you think that's the right move? Do you have any faith in this offense? I mean, we're talking about a team with, again, like I said, spoiler alert, very high. I have them very highly ranked in defense. They are in playoff contention. You know, the NFC, there's kind of like six spots taken or maybe really five and then two up for grabs, right? The Saints are in the mix. Can they stay in the mix? Right. They're five and two. I'm, I feel robbed that I'm not going to get to watch the, just personally. I do feel bad for Jameis Winston, too, and, and Saints fans, because that that scene on Sunday was like one of the best moments I thought of the NFL season when P.J. Williams picked off uh, Tom Brady and they got that that victory. And yet you feel like the, the cap of this season is down. Cause I think it is a pretty significant downgrade. I've heard from some saints fans that just like, well, our, our passing game wasn't that good anyways. And it's not going to make that much of a difference. I feel like it's going to make a difference. I, I just kind of figured initially it's going to be Taysom Hill. Cause he's making so much money and he was the guy competing with Jameis Winston. But to your point, Sean Payton's being very coy about it and just reading the tea leaves of some of the reporters there, they, they at least early in the week seem to be hinting at, a, you know, a surprise may be coming, which would be mm-hmm. Trevor Simeon who, you know, made a couple throws in that game. And I was always a, a Trevor Simeon, defender during his Broncos run like he was okay he especially started out okay yeah uh, actually, but I don't yeah. know it hasn't been great since it hasn't been great since Denver and I, I tend to think Taysom would be a better idea but who knows so I kind of do too so I went back and watched the Simeon drives in this game on the plane when I wasn't gasping about there in Rogers news um and he really looks pretty similar to how he looked in Denver um you know, the the go ball nice. to Kevin White was really nice under pressure. Uh, and, you know, there were a couple times where he did a good job. So Todd Bowles was obviously just sending <laughs> nightmare fuel at him. Uh, and I actually thought he did a, a decent job. A couple of drives where he was holding it on, hunted a little bit too long and missing open receivers. I think what I took away from watching them more than you know actually there was another throw the deep dig to Callaway whom I had in fantasy and needed one point from and so I was actually really thrilled with Trevor Simeon in that moment was also a nice throw and he kind of stepped up in a muddy pocket but even though I said there you know there's a muddy pocket there the thing that really jumped out to me from watching was how good the Saints offensive line looked um you know they got Eric McCoy back again against a very ferocious Bucks front and uh I think Look, I'm not hopeful about the offense, and obviously not having Thomas out is huge. But to me, that bodes well for an improved run game, which has been sort of underwhelming 
so far this year. I think a lot of that has to do with sort of some of the blocking issues. And yeah, I think like if your strengths are the run game and the blocking, why not just go with Taysom and do try to, you know, copy the Ravens or something on offense? Uh, well, because I just don't think Simeon, I, I don't know. I just, he just looks like he did in Denver. I mean, I, yeah, for that small sample size, I think maybe he looked even worse. He, he, one thing he wasn't was afraid. Like he came in <laughs> guns blazing. He was aggressive early. Some, you know, he had the interception was rough. Uh, the, the first interception and he could have had one before that, but he was like running Sean Payton's offense. And I do wonder if Payton sees that and he was decisive and thinks like, mm. To your point, um, maybe let's see like if he can run my offense before we just start like going crazy uh, with the Taysom Hill running game. That's not going anywhere. Taysom Hill is also coming off a concussion. concussion. Uh, yeah. Took some, you know, is prone to taking some big hits. And yet, if he did play quarterback, you kind of want him to run at, you know, if he's not seeing his first read open because that's the thing he does best. It's a tricky situation, but they're they're built – it's funny. They're built to win now, like their offensive line. They've been building that group forever. I don't know if Armstead's going to be there next year. Um, their defensive line, really their defense in general, which I know we'll talk about later, but like, this is a weirdly win now team and they're huge yeah. up front. Like that is their strength. So they're not going to punt on this season. If, if he plays Simeon, it's cause he thinks like we could ride with Simeon. We can go to the playoffs with Simeon. I kind of think they could too with, with either one of them, just because they're already five and two. Uh, they have a difference making defense and and they're they're you know winning games with Jameis. I think they can win they could probably win games without him too. Should have traded for Teddy. Couldn't I don't think they can afford my bad. Can you imagine a hero's I don't think the Broncos would have. You know, the Broncos, um, you know, my, know, my screen name, yours is OBJ, mine mine's Teddy here. Uh, you know, they asked they asked uh, their general manager in Denver not to get too far off a of sidebar. Uh, who could be the face of the franchise now with Von Miller gone? And Teddy was one of the three names they mentioned. Oh. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> Above average DVOA on offense, despite a lot of injuries. Oh. Mean, uh, if this defense that me and you were honking about the last time I was on this podcast actually came through, the vision would be that's, there. He's that's, fine. That did, Broncos defense is perplexingly bad, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, okay. Other injury that's meaningful to the playoff hunt, of course, is Derek Henry being out, maybe not for the season. So it's a Jones fracture to his foot, um, which I believe, you know, it's it, it. the timetable for that is that the earliest he would return is late in the playoffs. If that um, some of that information comes from, my doctor, Dan Orlovsky, who's had every football injury on earth and is the greatest resource alive. Yeah. Uh, no, I actually also read that in a news story. So uh, not going full Rogers over here. But um, I guess I want to... So hugely disappointing for a Titans team because the division was theirs coming off of that Colts win. And it's a horrible division. And you had a defense that was kind of improving, particularly the pass rush. Going to get some guys in the secondary back. But I want to talk about the offense with you. Um, you know, like over the last two weeks, we've really seen, I think, the iteration of the Titans offense that everybody thought they could be, even though, you know, with getting not a ton out of Julio, right? But you saw like, okay, the incredibly effective running game, obviously Tannehill thriving off of play action, A.J. Brown just killing people. 
deep middle of the field. Do you think that's not want to say sustainable, but they can approach what they've been with either Adrian Peterson or Dante. I'm hoping saying it's Dante, right? Dante Foreman. Dante, yeah. Dante. It's Dante, I think. Dante. Okay. Well, one of them's going to be back there. And they also got Jeremy McNichols. Um, Like, do you think, I mean, this is a true do running backs matter test. It is. And yet I think like Adrian Peterson matters a little like the way that he looked over the last couple of years, which I was, I was on this corner and our our friend, Chris Wesseling was really on this corner that he was not done in the last couple of years. And if you just watch like his pure running snaps, you know, not, not passing downs, not all that. Mm -hmm. He had some juice. Like he was okay. I'm not, he's not going to be anywhere close to Derrick Henry, but can he approximate like an average, power running back for what they want to do. I tend to think so. So to answer your first part of the question, I think they can approximate it if Julio Jones is healthy. It's all about Julio Jones to me because they just built this team in such a way that they're so reliant on these four guys, if you include Tannehill, that if you're missing one, I think we saw this year, you can get away with it. Um, now that it's Henry, that it's the one that you're missing. I think you just need Julio because you just have not gotten much out of him. And the, the offense is different. Like they are doing play action way less for whatever reason. It's still pretty effective, but you know, Tannehill used to lead the league by far, um, in the percentage of dropbacks and he's, he's not in the top 10 anymore. And so I I just think it's all on Julio, but I think Peterson will be fine. I, I think he'll be okay. Over the last few weeks, they cranked up the play action again. And um, one drive that really stuck out to me as being meaningful in the last game was when they were down 14 to zero to Indianapolis. And I think a lot of people were probably thinking, oh, it's the Colts, it's the Titans. You know, they they can't do play action if they're down because there's no threat of the run or whatever. And uh Todd Downing just smashed that button over and over. And it wasn't those, it wasn't <laughs> even like deep shots to AJ Brown. It was actually most, I think the entire drive, I don't have, um, I wrote down, I have the, somewhere I wrote down, I think it was all tight ends. I'm not sure if they even targeted Brown once. It was like Swaim, Ferkser, and then whoever the other tight end is, who I'm, his name now escapes me, and running. But um, it was, it was just, short to intermediate passes to the tight ends. And then that got me wondering generally, because I think coming into, you know, if you look at the numbers, obviously they're using more 11 personnel than they did last year when they had John U. Smith, but they're really effective, um, mm. both passing and running when they've got their tight ends on the field. In fact, first in the NFL in expected points added passing out of 12 personnel this year. So while I agree with you that like the importance of Julio is paramount because the importance of the passing game now becomes paramount. I do wonder if they'll kind of continue down that path um, of using the tight ends more kind of weirdly absent in the beginning of the season. Yeah. Which also makes sense when you have Adrian Peterson as you're running yeah. back. Cause they were using Derek Henry more as a receiver by far this year yeah. than at any point he had sort of changed his profile. I, I guess I'm also somewhat rooting for it because I do like this idea that Adrian Peterson just never grows old, like that he is in an immortal, that like he's one of the all-time, like he's one of the few running backs that have mattered in the last 20 years, if like more than more than anyone else. So it'd kind of be a fun coda on his career. And I, I basically am just voting for Tannehill because I think t- Tannehill, you know, his rate, his like 
basic stats aren't great this year, touchdown interception, but I think he's played pretty well. If, if he's dropped off from the last couple of years, it's not by much. And so I'd much rather lose Derrick Henry than Tannehill. Yeah, I, it's it's tough, right? I mean, you do see the impact. Right. They help each other, Henry don't you think? They help oh, yeah, each oh, 100%. Other. Yeah, no, I just, I meant like, not like who's more important, but the impact that Henry has on the way defenses play this team is, you know, he does obviously face all those stacked boxes. Um, actually, you know, I mentioned how good they've been out of 12 personnel. Usually Derrick Henry's on the field in the, in those moments. So that might be part of the reason why they're so good right. casting out of it. So I, we're going to learn a lot about this team pretty quickly and what they look like without um, Henry. I guess my hope is that they don't go away from the approach they've taken over the last two weeks offensively, because I think it's been smart. Um, and I do think Tannehill is playing at a high level and AJ Brown is amazing, but it, you're, it all comes down to Julio Jones, Hammy, really. I mean, I mean they're in, they're in LA this week off. for Sunday night football, um, your Rams, you know, your preseason team, uh, they have the saints, but they also have two games left against the Texans, the dolphins and the Jaguars. So I tend to just think, well, I don't know how exactly it all work in the meantime, but we'll probably be seeing Derrick Henry, you know, carrying uh, the rock in the playoffs for the Titans. I hope so. I mean, they they should win the division. So right, they should um, still win. There's a lot of winnable games there. All right, the Titans don't make my top five defense list. They are improving. Um, but if you stick around, why am I doing like a radio tease? We're gonna do it after the break. <laughs> let's take a quick break and then let's get back. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com slash Mina for a $3 trial set. Okay, so I texted you before the NFL, all this stuff happened. And I said, do you have like a ranking of the top five defense in the league? Because I'm having a lot of trouble right now identifying who I think is really good. Um, by the way, we're going to talk about OBJ at the end. Just I, I push it to the very end with the hope that maybe something happens in the next 30 minutes or so. Mm. I've also got 20 that. minutes of Rogers jokes coming up too. We're just like holding no. material. <laughs> um, man, the ones that I'm not making. Uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, so top five defenses. Okay, so I, I, I don't know if we agree. I kind of just, I wanted this to be a conversation. It's not a draft. It's not a ranking. 
Um, DVOA has Buffalo as number one. Buffalo, they've got as uh, first in the NFL against the pass, fifth against the run. That checks out with most underlying metrics, uh, sixth in pass rush win rate. Coverage stats are great. Um, why do I feel so reluctant to crown them other than who they've played? Is that what you're yeah, that's that's huge though. I mean, I mean, DVOA does they... factor that in. I know, I, but here's I, I a hot it... take. Mm-hmm. I know Aaron Schatz is way smarter than me, but oh, I'm the biggest DVOA and football outsiders fan. But I've always felt like no matter what the schedule adjustments are, they're not enough, especially like or halfway, halfway through, through the season. season. Yeah. It just feels like, you well, know, I, how could it not be? I kind of think it also the, the Chiefs only put up 20 on them, and I kind of think that skewed things because the Chiefs look so dominant otherwise offensively early on because otherwise they crushed Miami twice played Washington Houston and Pittsburgh not exactly you know world beating offenses and then Tennessee scored 31 on them um they don't looking at their schedule Greg they don't really play like a really good offense until December when they've got the Bucks. so this is going to keep rolling for a while Right, they're, they're, they were the easiest for me to put in the top five. I don't know if I'd have them one or not, just because they're so trustworthy. Sean McDermott's been there right. for five years, and the defense has been very good to great in four of those five years. And even last year, they got it together eventually. Uh, like, I just think they're sound. I think cohesion in the secondary is something I kind of look at now. Like, just the ability to pass off receivers and know the scheme and be able to change what you need to change depending on the week seems so valuable and so like integral to what the best coordinators want to do. And they just have been together and it matters and they're getting enough pass rush. You know, the linebackers are a little up and down because Edmonds I think has struggled, but Milano's great. So I, to me, they're pretty similar to how they've been. And so I don't know if any defense is that great. Like when it came down to it, they had a chance to, stop Tennessee in the fourth quarter and be like, Hey, we're that defense that actually makes a difference in the Mm -hmm. big moments. And they, and they didn't, but maybe no defenses are quite that way. I think they're, they're about as good as they were the end of last year. Cause they started bad last year. I can remember. And then at the end they were good. They were coming on. Um, I, you know, there's some like, I, uh, what you said about the secondary is like, this is a, the safeties are the core of this group, obviously, um, Hyde and Poyer, but, you know, it's funny, like for all the hype that the rookies that they drafted to help the pass rush, Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham got early on and they've been kind of up and down. Freaking Jerry Hughes, man, just week after week <laughs> showing up. You could tell me that he was like 45 and I would believe you. Let me look up how old is he really? I love Jerry Hughes. Let's see. Doesn't it feel like he's been on the bills for 100 years? 33. Yeah, about one, a once a year, I... I tweet about that trade that they made with the Colts as being like the most underrated trade of all time. And now I can't even remember who it was for, but it was for another veteran that the bills had no interest in that, that didn't make any impact for the Okay. Colts. Who do you think's older, Robert Quinn or Jerry Hughes? This feels like a trick question, but I'll say Hughes would be my first. It's, it's Hughes. Yeah. Robert Quinn still yeah. 31. Um, playing great this season, by the way, Barris not on our list, but Robert Quinn is playing great. And yeah, I, so the, the but bills are like the safest defense. I think of all of these, like they're the one without like a glare, like a weakness, like pointing to them. I think there's not an obvious thing for opposing offenses. To and their coaching is awesome. Frazier and McDermott. I mean, to me that matters a lot. 
Okay. Who? So give me another member of your top five. I'll tell you if they're in my top five. Okay. The the, the next on my list, if we, in order, the team I knew had to be on it was the Saints. Yeah. Whew. I mean, but there's... It, that's why it's such a bummer <laughs> that they don't have a quarterback because this defense is so good. Dennis, should Dennis Allen be a head coach? There's a lot of that going around right now. I don't know. Like everyone, you know... I think he's a nice guy that has good relationships and people are like, what more does he have to do? I don't know. It, like if coordinating a defense really well is the only, is the main qualification, then mm. he does deserve another chance because well, they've been really, really wait, good for three or four years, so, but that's not the only qualification. No. And also I should say like Sean Payton is working with sticks, glue and tissue paper. Dennis Allen is working with the opposite of that. Cause this is just such a talented group at every level. Yeah, that gets to my point about them being such a win-now team. It's a win-now defense. They've been so good now for three years, and it's this year feels almost like the culmination of it, that the pieces in the secondary, Lattimore, for the most part, is peaking right now. Um, C.D. Deuce, Chauncey, you know, Gardner Johnson has been there. <laughs> like, everyone's played together. They bring in Roby. Like, Marcus Williams is underrated. It's a really good group. Yeah. Uh, it might be the last year Cameron Jordan's there. Uh, mm. But they're better up front with Onyemata's off suspension. Davenport yeah. made some plays in that Bucks game that blew my mind where he's lining up on the nose tackle and then running back to stop a screen to Chris Godwin down the field on a third yeah. down. It's like, what defensive lineman is making that play? And so I think they're just – and they got that little extra. There's something, there's something you can't measure with defenses, and I think it's why it maybe doesn't – They're fearless. That's you know, like watching the, – like they, okay. were not, they are not afraid of Tom Brady. That's what, like, I mean, there's a, f a few reasons why I think they kind of match up well with him, right? Um, some of it is, like, just the nature of the scheme. The amount of two-man that they play, I think, matches up well with what Brady does and what the Bucs are capable of. But, um, like, watching P.J. Williams make that pick, I was just like, man, this guy is not scared <laughs> at all. And I think that, that they have that quality. That, this is like terrible analysis, but I don't care. No, um, but there is something yeah. to it. Like defenses. I, I've thought about this with the Bengals this year too. I know Ugh. they're coming off a terrible game, but not on my list. There's, there's no, not on my list either. Not even on my secondary list, but I do think that they play with a lot of juice and a lot of energy that is hard to define and doesn't necessarily carry over from year to year. And I don't, I think that's why maybe defense isn't as consistent, but like this saints group, is like hype. <laughs> yeah. They like love, they love playing together. Like they have a pretty good linebacker group too. Now. I mean, they've had Demario Davis playing out of his mind for a while, but I actually kind of like the combination of, um, Werner and Quan Alexander kind of flip flopping, depending on the passing down or not uh, next to him. Just like, I don't know. They're just, they just get after it in a way that I think is, can be consistent at least for this year. And like just the Bengals might've been on my list, but just I honestly was so disgusted with, <laughs> but it was the antithesis of what you're describing like they were playing cowardly defense like why are you playing 10 yards off jets receivers and also they forgot how to tackle whatever anyways they're still they were still solid i'm sure you know it was like a they'll bounce back but i was very displeased after spending the whole freaking week hyping the Bengals, man um mm. okay staying in that division i've got the steelers in my top five i assume you do too i do too yes okay um I'm scared for Justin Fields' life against this front and TJ Watt uh, and the Bears' offensive line. It's a nightmare matchup. This it's oh god, it's Monday night. Jesus, uh, the front is awesome. They 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 still are so awesome. 
I am the biggest Cam Hayward hype woman on the internet right now, but the dude, I like, he might be 33 too. I don't know, but what a career arc he's had, by the way, right? Um, I saw you banging the Hall of Fame Cam Hayward you know, drum, I, that and was I a thought bit of about a, it and was like, mm, okay. It was a little bit of an overreaction. I feel like it was one, It was because Steelers fans have been so angry at me for being anti-Big Ben over the last two years. I veered too far into like, but I think Cam Hayward's a Hall of Famer. But anyways, uh, you know, definitely if he continues having a shot. Well, I think he's going to be an all pro this year. If he's not, it's a crime. And that would be his third one. And uh, he also has a second team. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but TJ Watts, you know, still playing at an extraordinarily high level. Uh, I do think that unlike the two defenses we talked about, there are issues in the secondary that can be exploited, but you have to have time and uh they're also just so good against the run so i i just think the front is just too good to not have them in the top five i agree and again coaching and history matters to me here and and should and you also said for the rest of the year so i'm counting on them getting back stefan to it at some point one of the, one of the best best oh, players God. tyson alu alu hasn't been playing since week one or two he's supposed to be back at some point so those guys will be there in december and you figure they're going to be even better. I'm I'm a little confused about the secondary. Like I always hesitate because I'm not you know an ex coach or anything, but just like a lot of plays going over Minka Fitzpatrick's head. I don't know how smart you have to be to know that that does, that's like bad. That keep that kept happening over and over. So I don't know what's up there. I don't know who's at fault. But it, there's like a lot of plays where the ball goes over Minka Fitzpatrick's head, and then he's running after the the play after the ball. So that seems bad. All right, we have a consensus so far. I'm not going to comment on that. I agree. Um, so far, we have a consensus. This is where it might get a little squirrely. Who else do you have at the top five? I have the Bucks also in the top yeah, five. This is a whole year thing. Yeah, right. Because because he said for the whole year they've been they've semantics. Been a little You've been immunized. Weird, Sorry, keep going. <laughs> I mean, they haven't been a top five so far. Uh, but they do get, I think they're going to get Carlton Davis and Murphy Bunting back yeah. potentially after the bye, like that week. They've been a little confusing though. Some of the players that you would expect to be great haven't been. Devin White seems like he's taken a step back. JPP has been relatively quiet. Tryon, who, Tryon Shoenka, who I was all excited about, it's been relatively quiet. Um, but they've still been good even despite that. Like Shaq Barrett's a beast that, and Todd Bowles mm-hmm. is a beast. And Vea, yeah. In Vega. Yeah, I, I think Sue's been really good. Like Sue's been, he, yeah. I, feel, I feel like Sue is one of the best bargains in the league year after year after year. Yeah, I, I, I was debating putting them just outside, uh, but ultimately decided, you know, once they get the corners back, given the coaching and then just the talent on up front, I do think Devin White, I've noticed struggles in cover it, which he's never been the best cover linebacker, which was always kind of weird when people were like, Devin White's the best linebacker in the league. Like, but um, also just like a little over aggressive in his pursuit sometimes. Like it feels like he really, really wants to get it sacks, you know, and I think sometimes they suffer for it, but um, they're just too many good players on this team. And yeah, when they get, you know, also, I, this he is hurt Jameis. I hold that against him. When they get the corners back, I think then it can kind of take another look, see and see, okay, you know, um, do they really belong in that elite category? But given the sort of play that they've gotten from them, you know, especially Davis in particular, who's to, in my mind, they're kind of obvious number one. It makes sense. It makes sense. 
However, I have the Rams over them. Are the Rams even in your mm. top five? I I kind of a left five open and just figured we'd talk talk it out. <laughs> um I have I have about four or five teams because it's so, so yeah, hard. Yeah, I think yeah, after so, those first three, and even yes. Pitt, Pittsburgh hasn't been at that level, but I just trust them. Like I feel like you could make a pretty good case for five or six other teams. Okay. So the next tier. So I have the I'll just spill it. I don't know why I'm being so dramatic. I I have the Rams in Dallas as in that in this tier. And then in the Woo! next tier, yeah, yeah, I, I do. And then in the next tier, I have Arizona, JJ Watt lost. I had Minnesota, but Danielle Hunter lost. Um, and then the Pats, which I want to talk to you about, I, I'm, I, which I think I'm more confident about them than you. And then Baltimore, and I don't think they belong there. And now just even saying it out loud, I, I don't know why I said it. But that, that, that's one's like a talent history kind of pick as well. But let's stick with the Rams for a second. Um, obviously, there's been a little bit of regression. Uh, particularly, well, they've never been... They were better against the run last year. It's unsurprising to me that you can run on them this year. It's has not been tested as much as I think it will be at, at certain points during the season. Uh, oh, God. Freaking Derrick Henry. See, they, they've really, like, escaped a few backs. I mean, they basically just had, like, three weeks off, like a three-week tour through the dregs of the NFL. I mean, it's not so, their so, fault, but... So, I... The Von Miller trade... I liked... And I feel we haven't really talked about it, but I know that you are anti-draft pick. So I feel like you liked it too. I'm just intuitive. I'm just guessing here. But I think like if there's a team that's like, look, the, the Ramsey trade, they won. It was a good trade. It's so rare for a trade for that kind of uh that volume of picks without a contract extension, then the extension to work out. But they got the NFL's best cornerback. It's a position that I think is worth it. The Vaughn trade, I think you can argue against because obviously. Um, it's only for half a season, and it's a lot, second and third. And I've seen people say he's not good. He's still good, so that's stupid. And now he gets to play next to Aaron Donald. However, I think this team is so obviously, you know, going has not only an eye on a Super Bowl, but also, and I've, I've been harping on this, they also want the ability to not have to blitz because that's the current meta in the NFL, right? Like, mm. if you play a quarterback like Kyler, you cannot blitz him. We have seen that. And then there's the, all these AFC quarterbacks that you can't do it with either. I, I would say Dak, too, is deadly against the blitz. Now you've got Vaughn, Aaron Donald, and Leonard Floyd, who's been really good, which is a contract I didn't love at the time. I feel like that even though there's still some softness at linebacker, that's just such a devastating proposition. And by the way, they're getting Darius Williams back, right? They're um, their outside corner. I just think that there's just too much talent to leave them out. I don't know why I made like a whole speech. You're, no, you know what? You're kind of convincing me. You know, I know you're part of the Ramily. Mm. My daughter, Alice, is a big Rams fan. I guess it, it, part of it is I just haven't like seen them this year. In, I mean, I've watched their games. <laughs> I know <laughs> I know they've I've watched their games, but I feel like, you know, they played they played the bear. You know, they played Dalton on opening night and they played Wentz with his like ankles were falling off. Um, the two times they played legitimate defense you know, offenses were the Bucks and Cardinals and they gave up over, you know, 450 yards in each of those games. 
and it's Raheem Morris and it's just different. And then they've played three of the worst offense in the league. So I feel like I don't know enough yet, but you're, you've kind of convinced me of the, the talent. I'm, I am still like backpedaling from you saying I don't like draft picks though. Like, you literally you've said that to me you've exactly. that draft picks are overrated I, well i did i did, i do like that they have a approach like team building differently this is like an extreme case a second and third for eight months of like a good but not you know all pro veteran yeah. is, it's, is it's next testing. level but yeah it's it's also a um believing in Sean McVay that he can and and their coaching staff that they're like pretty good at getting a lot of production out of guys that you've never heard of. That's the other thing is right. Yeah. In terms of the draft picks, like the Fullers and the Williamses of the world, but, um, and semester Joseph has been really good too, by the way. But the, 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 the other reason I kind of like this is like, they know they've got a Super Bowl offense. Like we've seen it. Right. And so it's not like, I don't know. We don't know if our offense is good, but let's go all in on a player and see, you know, if it works out like they they're there, they're right there. So I, I I'm, I'm just a big believer in this group. Um, you kind of, uh, I feel like your scoff was directed at Dallas. Is that correct? No, it was more a surprise um, because, you know, I, I could bring up the text thread now, but we were texting and just like, Oh, which team should we talk about? And, and we were talking of four and five seem open and, and I wrote the Cowboys uh, got to be in the conversation. And you gave me a thumbs down. You know, you didn't even have the respect to respond a... <laughs> with words, but you gave me the thumbs down. What, what, did I do the thumbs down to your comment or actually do a thumbs down emoji? No, to the comment. Yeah, the so comment about the, the Cowboys. Time where I mean to do a thumbs up and I actually, the worst is when someone says something positive in a text and you try to heart it, but instead you do thumbs down. And then when you switch it, it feels weird. You're, and then you, you're like, I don't want to explain that I meant to do this because it's such a quick <laughs> tap. Anyways. Um, that, that makes sense, though. I think they've earned it with what they've done so far. And especially thinking about what that they're getting DeMarcus Lawrence back. Like, yeah. some part of me can't quite believe it, but I kind of think they've been a top well, five defense so far. Just um, with Randy Greg, Randy Gregory has been like <sighs> near an all pro level, which Good is for crazy. Him, man. Yeah, Micah Parsons digs mm-hmm. and, and just like the juice, the juice I was talking about before freaking Anthony Brown, who I feel like I roasted endlessly <laughs> in the past has been awesome this year. Um, I don't know if you, uh, Ryan Clark made an excellent point on yesterday that, um, Micah Parsons was wearing the green dot. So he was calling the defense and they switched to Jaron curse, the safety. And it kind of freed up Parsons who I thought was demonstrably better in coverage against the Vikings. Mm. They just are so well coached. I was talking about like, you know, going into, first of all, I made the mistake of touting Kirk Cousins before this game. And I forgot it was a primetime game. I mean, I knew, I knew it. I, it's like, walking into a rake, right? Like saying, well, Kirk Cousins has actually been playing good football. You just know a stinker is coming the second you say that. Those words leave your mouth. It was disappointing, though. I was on your corner, too, and it was just like, Every time, why man. do you have I'm to not do gonna, this? He's I'm been, not going to do it again. He's been playing so well when no I know, one was but watching. I, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was like, oh, no, Dallas is playing a lot of man and Kirk Cousins, and can they really defend those wide receivers? And they got shredded on the first drive, and then they pivoted to play more zone. And I think like that's such a hallmark of a good defense, right, and a well-coached defense is being able to make those in-game adjustments. And it gives me confidence in their ability to match up with different offenses down the road. 
I, should they be in the top five? I'm not sure, but they've been playing like a top five unit so far. I would, if I was like a safety, that's what I would play. I think maybe cornerback, you know, at my, at my size, I think it'd be tough. Wouldn't they be like the most fun defense to play for? Cause it's, it's just like run around a lot, force turnovers. We just have to keep the opponents under 30, but we just want you to play yeah, like crazy, like you, totally. You can give up some points and yards and like, that'll be fine. Um, but if you keep them under 30, like we're going to the super bowl, I feel so, like that'd be a lot of fun. Somebody posted a clip of Dan Quinn, like boxing on the sideline. I was like, God damn, I would run through a wall for this man. I'm so happy right. for him. I'm so happy. Right. Like, for him. Every year in Atlanta, because they always would close the season strong, their defenses, I'd be like, this is the defense. This is the year it all comes together for Dan Quinn's defense. Mm-hmm. I guess we we just needed him, you know, to to go elsewhere. They're not my fifth team, though. Who's okay, so who who else Ooh. do you have? I don't know. You the- may be convinced. I want to throw out the Panthers at least just for the Shaq Thompson, Stefan Gilmore factor of all. They're they're yeah. a weird schedule team, too, because with Thompson, they've looked unreal. And to me, he's played as well, probably better than any off-ball linebacker in the NFL in the four games he's played. He's just he's just been like crazy good. And so when he returned to the lineup last week, and granted it was against Atlanta, but they looked great again. They were dominating up front. And then you have Stefan Gilmore going up against Kyle Pitts and I went back to like watch these snaps and I'm just like, this is amazing. I, why did no one else go get Stefan Gilmore? Because even in his first game back, like he was so physical with Pitts. Yeah. And Pitts made like he got, you know, Gilmore got a penalty. Pitts like, you know, made one or two catches, but they lined up about, you know, 12, 15 times. Gilmore didn't play that much. And it's like he he is a tight end stopper. He is like a big physical receiver stopper. So now adding him to that mix with that front, like I feel like they're at least I just wanted to throw them out there. that they should. No, I think that's uh, certainly defense has. I mean, I, I know that. Obviously, speaking of teams that Kirk Cousins played well against, by the way, um, they sort of came back to earth after the first upper September. Um, but yeah, your point about Shaq Thompson, I, he's kind of the dude in that defense. Right, he missed now. three. He missed three games, and they were terrible in all those three games. So maybe that's a little too neat. It can't be like all on him. I think you can probably run against them. Uh, the Patriots, Saint Panthers will be interesting, um, but I think. I think they could get in that mix. Maybe it is Dallas. Arizona well, has to be in there. So even without JJ Watt, you still. I mean, Arizona has to be talked about because no, they they're in there. They're in well the absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, Ari- Arizona. I think for me, the biggest shocker has just been the play of the secondary. Um, Marco Wilson, Byron Murphy Jr. looking like he did in college again. You know, those safeties are good. Uh, Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker's been good. So. Yeah, and I think that's another team where the the, co- the coordinator is really good, uh, in Vance Joseph. So I like have confidence in their ability. I I'm not terribly surprised that Green Bay was able to score on them, even with everyone missing, just because I thought it was kind of a bad matchup. And I thought Rodgers is the kind of they're the type of defense that I think young quarterbacks or inexperienced quarterbacks will really struggle against. But you like veterans like Rodgers and. Brady, who are very good against aggressive defenses and blitzing defenses, will have more success. But certainly, uh, top, you know, definitely, even without JJ Watt, uh, top group. Um, let's go back to New England because the Panthers and the Pats are playing this weekend. I guess PJ Walker is going to play, huh? With Darnold out, concussed. Probably he was Darnold was limited Wednesday, but it sounds like very limited, and PJ Walker getting all the snaps. So I was super hype on the Pats at. 
before the season and then kind of a slow start. I was really impressed by them in the Chargers game. I, I think a lot of that was game plan. I mean, this is, I mean, Herbert after the game talked about how he was surprised to play so much cover two after playing so much man, right? From, I mean, they're typically a man defense, but like who didn't see that coming with Bill Belichick? Uh, but the pressure packages, uh, not only, you know, again, ingenious and very, um, again, unsurprising that they were deployed against Herbert, but really highlighted the talent that they have up front. Um, as you know, I'm, I, I believe Matt Judon is like one of the best signings, if not the best signings of free agency, but like Christian Barmore in this game, good Lord. Um, he is looking like a, like a potential pro bowler to me. I don't, am I overreacting or no, I am yeah, so, okay. I'm so lucky Barmore error because like there's about three or four plays each week where yeah. he just does something that no one on the Patriots has done since, you know, the mid aughts or so. And like Richard Seymour was, they just haven't mm-hmm. had a, a homegrown guy who can just win so quickly and just make the garter center. Like just look slow footed. He's got to, you know, apparently he's got to clean up some things, but he, he looks amazing. You're right. They're more talented up front than they've been. P- part of my hesitation, you know, I am a Pats fan. It's just, they've had a really easy schedule um, mm. relatively, but Pats teams, like, like I mentioned, Spagnolo and the Ravens certainly do this. They definitely figure out what they can't do well throughout the course of the season and try to eliminate it and get better by December. What they can't do is like move at the linebacker level. They're just, so slow when it's Van Noy and Hightower oh, and like Bentley oh, out there that you, you know it pains me so much the Hightower <laughs> aspect. It's really and then like the, their number two cornerback right now is either Miles Bryant, your boy from Washington, or he looked David great Mills. in this game. I mean, he, yeah, but they've he, had he their moments. He should not be a number two cornerback. He he should be. Oh, he's like a weapon, you know. Like he, I mean, he's their but, slot. He he is their slot now with Jonathan Jones gone, who was a pretty big loss, and then they traded Gilmore, which. Still a little mystifying to me because um, you didn't get anything for it. Like I've heard this argument. It's like, why did the Panthers trade for Stefan Gilmore? They're just like, you know, they they're not going anything. anywhere. It's like they didn't give up no, anything. They the got reverse him for is just what's like the confusing. price to pay him. Right. Because I think right. the Pets are a sneaky playoff team the way they, I mean, given how the AFC is shaking out. So why would you trade away? I mean, even if you don't want to pay him, let him play out the season. It doesn't make any Suppo- sense. Supposedly they, you know, he. They didn't think he would. They thought they think he was healthy the whole time and <laughs> that he was just sitting. Oh, that that's looks, almost like great. accepted as fact. I don't know if that's true, but it's certainly I, what I, from what I can tell, the feelers that they put out to their reporters that he basically refused to play unless he was going to get a contract adjustment, at least from them. And they were just like, oh, forget it. Hmm. Um. All right. Is Sorry, there anyone? That was a detour. You convinced me with the Rams. I got to admit, when it comes mm. down to it, I think they would get my five spot just over Dallas. Okay, so I, the teams I mentioned on the fringe: Arizona, New England, Baltimore, which I don't feel great about. Am I leaving anyone out? I so there's Indianapolis. I think they're top ten. Um, they're sort of like what I. I mean. They're like a better version of the Eagles than a worse version of the Bills, kind of in some ways. I mean, that's not really schematically, that's not really accurate, but um, they're like they are a worse the- version of the Cowboys. It's just like they're counting on two turnovers a week, but I don't think they're as good. Uh, losing Taekwon Lewis, sneaky big loss, by the way. Um, 
And then uh, Kari Willis got hurt too. So uh, uh, Minnesota, I mentioned the Hunter injury. Mike Zimmer did show up to his press conference with a list of stats about the Vikings defense, including the fact that they are first in sacks, um, fifth and third down defense. Yes. I hope I'm not being fake news. I saw this and copied and pasted it because I thought it was so funny. Um, Though to his credit, they were playing really well, but I just, you can't Daniel Hunter, you know, like that's just brutal. I also feel like he coaches sometimes. I don't know how you could measure this, but he coaches sometimes like, like the, like that's the goal is to finish with those defensive stats. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what he's really no concerned question. about. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to throw one out there. I don't think people agree with this, but I think by the end of the year, Cleveland might be in the conversation. Yeah. I've been wrong about the Browns a lot, like really believing in them and it's because of the Browns defense. So I'm essentially with you. Like my heart is with you. You have to kind of look at what they've done on the field. Although, you know, they played well against Pittsburgh. They've been they've been pretty rough, you know, they've been pretty ravaged by injuries. But yes, that's why that's my good for them. It looks like so good. It's looks so good. Well, They're so not going to get Okuro, um, you know, JOK back anytime soon, though. That's a I think uh, I read somewhere like four weeks or something. So that's sort of like the premise is I think there's just a lot of young players who have been slowly improving. Um, I think Greg Newsom's looked really good. I love mm-hmm. Uzukaromo. So I just think the question about this defense is kind of like, okay, the secondary, and you know, I've talked about John Johnson, some of his struggles, but when you've got Miles Garrett up front, and then Jadavian Clowney's been playing good too, one of your faves. I don't know. I, I, they're not. They're definitely not in. I'm just saying they're kind of on the fringe. Um, who's which fan bases are going to be mad at us? Will Vegas be mad? For not even mentioning them? No. I'm just trying to think of... I mean, the Bengals, because before last week, the Bengals... They would have absolutely been mentioned, yeah. But come on, you guys can't... And that was maybe, right, a bad game plan game where they're not a heavy blitz team usually, but then they Mm. totally backed off uh, in that game, and it was just a bit... They're just like a rally and energy type of defense. Because they're not... They're kind of like the Saints, where... The Saints are a great defense, but they haven't been getting much pass rush this year. Now they're they're healthier. But the, the Bengals have not been getting a ton of pass rush outside of Hendrickson this year as a team. They really haven't. And yet they just rally, they tackle, they like, they're, they're, they're very sound. They have energy. Lou Anaruma. And yet they completely forgot how to tackle against Mike White. Um, God, Mike, how am I going to tell my husband that I have to watch Mike White versus Carson Wentz on Thursday? And that's why I can't uh, have an early dinner. That's, these are the questions I face. Um, Okay. Any other defenses will be mad at us? I'm just looking at the teams right now. I'm thinking. No, I think yeah, we're good. Su- I think we- you're supporting your friend Colleen Wolf on TNF. You know, Ooh, yeah, well, that's a this rough is, one. I, Mike White makes the game way more interesting. Who would have thought that? Um, you know who I, I'm, I'm obsessed with? Michael Carter. Both, I think they're both good, but the running back is really nice. I noticed that on PFF that Michael Carter's were the two highest graded players. Both? Like on, he was the highest graded offensive player and Michael Carter was the highest graded defensive player. I can't imagine that's ever happened. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful 
for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We've talked about Cleveland. We should. This is where we talk about OBJ. So I don't think anything's happened. Uh, for those who have been unaware uh, of the video, uh, OBS <laughs> puts out this video of odds that clearly someone else made with REM's Everybody Hurts playing over it of uh, his son being open and Baker Mayfield not looking his way. Uh, this has been an ongoing debate uh question i guess over the last couple of years is is why is baker and why are the browns offense seemingly better without odell i come here not to relitigate that but to um really kind of just talk about what might happen next because as of 2 45 p.m pacific time on a wednesday uh odell has it did not show up uh did not go there. They, I don't know if they told him to not show up or whatever. I, I'm not, again, I don't care about like right and who, whatever here. I am, seems like he's not going to be a Brown. So it's interesting though, Greg, because um, the Browns are, they're kind of like, it's a little bit of gambling or, so they didn't trade him. Obviously it was kind of a hot name for the trade deadline. And now they're in a situation where if they were to cut him, they would, be on the hook for a little over $10 million uh, in dead cap, right? And going forward after this year, he's not owed anything. And they would save a little bit of money. Unless a team were to pick him up off the waivers, which I don't frankly think is very likely, then that team takes the money. So it's highly possible that at the moment, they're trying to figure out if they can kind of negotiate him down so that he can leave. They're not on the hook for that much money and another team is more likely to pick him up. Do you feel like that's what where we're at? I th- I think so. I first of all, there's I don't think there's any chance he's coming back to the Browns. <laughs> based on the based on reporting too. It just they from if the reporting's accurate and there's been a couple of different sources but or a couple of different reporters that he was told to stay away. Okay, he, so. you know. And like communication has 
essentially stopped between him, him and Stefanski. And I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes exactly, but if you tell the guy to just like stop going to work, like he's not coming back. You heard Baker speak today. I read some quotes, but I didn't actually like hear it. So I'm always hesitant, but you sound, you sound like you were, you thought Baker handled that well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, weird what can you say? My friend's dad made it, or my teammate's dad, probably not friend. I mean, no one who watches that doesn't, like, obviously OBJ agrees with OBS. <laughs> right, and LeBron LeBron sending out the tweet actually almost felt like a bigger thing to me than the, the dad. Oh, my God, I was like, pre-OBJ, is this? yeah. Right, just felt like, okay, this is premeditated, and it's so sloppy because it's like the morning of the trade deadline. It's just like it's not going to happen at this point. It's, mm. it's, too, it's too little too late. It, it's confusing. I, yeah, I tend to think they're threatening Odell with the possibility that he's just on the shelf for the rest of the year because they don't want him going to some team that they're going to play. Um, they owe him, as you mentioned, the rest of his salary this year, which is guaranteed, which is, you know, not insignificant. It's eight, $9 million or whatever it is. If you prorate the money, I don't know. I would, I would think about picking that up. I kind of looked at the teams that could fit him under the cap though. And there weren't out of those teams, there was about seven or eight, eight, eight or nine of them. They wouldn't be an obvious fit. So maybe right. you're right. But I was like, I don't I'm know. Why wouldn't teams. you just pick them up? So I've got the, uh, 2021 cap space in front of me. Jags, no. Why? Eagles, eh. Broncos, no. no. Seahawks. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> they good should, one. but they won't. They should, though, right? Like, why not? I feel like There's... they would. I feel like they could. Russ and him have um, trained together before. I saw somebody posted a picture of them practicing together. Seattle's and not and... above taking some some big swings and who knows the, the, the operation there might not be feeling like they're definitely there next year unless they win. So, well, and yeah, they might not be feeling like Russell Wilson might leave if they don't do something like this to me, what feels like a Russell Wilson pick up the phone moment. But anyways, Panthers, no Washington, uh, Steelers, uh, chargers. Don't hate that. Don't hate that that at all. Um, Bengals no, obviously Browns no, Texans no, Vikings no. Okay, so now we're so that was through five million, and then now we're getting to the point where it, they would have to be, have a lower salary. So you know, like we were talking about the team. So this is where you get to the the teams that I actually think could really use him, which are the Packers, the Patriots, and the Titans. All have around the same amount of cap space. Oh, and the Raiders, pardon me, and the Chiefs. <laughs> okay, so I'll stop. Uh, and the Bears. Anyways, um, but those are all teams where, like like we've been discussing, something would have to change financially for it to work. Um, are any of those and teams... You can usually have... figure something out you if, can you, figure need, something if out. you really have to. You can Which of those teams do you, would you like to see it happen on for? Seattle, now that you said it. I just think that Seattle? would be fun. I want, I want Gino to get his ring. Um, <laughs> I just think like... I just think it'd be a great Mick. You got Lockett, Metcalf, and Odell on the same team. That's an insane one, two, three. That's crazy. Um, like I get the frustration. It's it's really amazing. I'm gonna remember this that play that of Odell at the end of last week's game. That some people gave Odell grief for having alligator arms, but when I went to rewatch that on like the All Twenty Two or the 
or even the end zone angle. It's like, I thought he made an okay effort and it was almost exactly the play that if you were Odell Beckham's dad or LeBron James, or especially (laughs) Odell Beckham, that would be like, throw the ball, do not hitch Baker. They called Uh. the absolute perfect play call in the perfect situation. He's wide open and Baker's really late. He either doesn't see it or he's just late to see it. And, and those are the plays that's kind of killed that connection. Sorry. If Mickey Loomis somehow makes it work, then he has to get executive of the year. <laughs> they won't. Yeah, supposedly just, they were they were right. they were in on some trade talks, but couldn't figure out how to make it work. Yeah, also, absolutely. like Odell That's catching passes from Trevor Simeon or. Or Taysom feels like a disaster. Yeah, that's actually that's a that's a really good point. I'm, um, Pats could use him, and the Pats Bill does love that kind of player. I oh yeah, and they've been they had been mentioned. He has a relationship with Odell, and they'd been mentioned in the past. They do play but, the but, Browns in a couple of weeks. I do wonder if that's a fact. You know, it's, I think that's a factor. I think if the Browns are annoyed at him enough to tell him to stay home, then they're they're understanding it's possible that they're annoyed enough to just make him sit for the rest of the year, which is almost mm. unprecedented. But they they wouldn't make that decision, I don't think, unless they knew that was possible. That that that's an avenue they would have to take. Which. Would they really do that? Because if they if they had the money now, I mean, they, they could get an, a Wyatt Teller extension done with some of the savings from this season. Okay, but they have cap space. They're not. They're not yeah, they're, like. They're, yeah, they're fine. Hurting you know, for cap space. Right. If anything, we're really it's just we're like not talking about like we're talking about single digit millions. So, and by by the way, when I said Bill likes that kind of player, I mean like talented and high profile and divisive. <laughs> That's what I meant. It, and um, I had a discount in theory. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And. Uh, I just kid him at the crazy part is like just telling your owner that, yeah, you know, I know it's a different regime, but you gave up all this to get him. It's just like, Hey, let's, let's light this $9 million on fire for the rest of the year. All right. Let's wrap as always with dinks and dunks. Dinks and dunks are a part of ESPN nation brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is back. And so are the fans return to glory with fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. And now it's time for dinks and dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Greg, as always, five questions, four from me, one from Lenny. Um, I'll go first. Who's the second best team in the AFC? Oh. Wait, who's the best? It's Buffalo, right? Oh, okay. Mm. Do you disagree? No, you're right, but just like I'm not I don't think they're dominant, but I think they're it's a clear number one and then it gets super, super wiggly. Hmm. I'd probably just go with Baltimore, even though I have like serious concerns about their shortcomings. Cause I think the, the passing game and the offense could just be amazing. Yeah. Plus, plus the coaching. I agree. I think they're the best team. Yeah. I, I think, I think Baltimore's right. I think, I think the answer is none, you know, that they're no all about idea. the same. There, there's like five decent teams after that. Well, Staying in the AFC North, the Browns and the Bengals are playing this weekend. Uh, this is one of the hardest games I had to pick, so I'm outsourcing it to you. <laughs> Who should I pick? I I am going to pick the Browns. I do really the picks on NFL.com. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's a DVOA thing, like where I just th- I think they've been really unlucky. I really trust their running game just in general. I trust their coaching staff in general. I like the defensive talent and I I know there's been like a lot of things that have gone wrong for them, but I just think they're a better team. I think think they're a better 53 man roster and a better coaching staff. So like, I'm just hoping that makes up for the, the quarterback. Um, 
deficiency because yeah. the, the Bengals definitely have the better quarterback for the first time in a while. Whew. Question three. Who is the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles next year? If you had to make a prediction. Mm. Eagles have many cap, uh, pardon me, draft picks in the first round, which could be very high. Not a lot of money, but they have a lot of draft picks. Man, I'm trying to think who else is available because I don't think it's going to be a draft pick. I kind of don't want to say Jalen Hurts. I definitely don't want to say Deshaun Watson. Um, Aaron Rodgers yeah. would be fun. <laughs> Let's do Aaron Rodgers. I feel like they would give up like their entire franchise to get Aaron. All of they would be the team graphics. that would do it. Yeah. I mean, God, Aaron Rodgers, that would be a tough, tough destination, but yeah. Um, all right. That's fine. Question four. Um, you're a big reader. I feel like I always ask you for a book recommendation. So what are you reading lately? You do. Um, I'm going to try to think what's the best book since I last was on your podcast. I would go A Children's Bible by Lydia Millette. I didn't say that before, did I? I don't no, think so. No, I don't think um, so. No, I didn't. Um, it's it's so good. It's the book that stuck with me the most this year. It's sort of it's like got a little apocalyptic vibe to it, like climate change apocalypse, but it's mm -hmm. in a very real present, and she is such a good writer, and uh little bit of like Lord of the Flies, like the kids have to take charge here, but like amazingly written. And I, it's made me read a, a few of her other books and every one of her books is awesome. So yeah, Children's Bible, Lydia Millette. There you go. I like, I like dystopian things. So mm -hmm. um, all right, I'll check that out. I am reading, I haven't mentioned it on this podcast, my friend Jay Kang's book, The Loneliest Americans. Um, carrying that with me around on the airplanes. And yeah, it. I, I mean, I feel like I. Why well, do I assume that people listening to this podcast are aware of that book? I'm like everybody knows about that book, but it's um, it's a really, it's a really compelling and interesting exploration of like a lot of ideas about Asian American identity. I guess is the cleanest way to summarize it. Um, and you should subscribe I, to his I newsletter. I want to read that. And he's one of the best Twitter follows out there. <laughs> Chaos. I, I don't know him, but I I love him. He's, yeah. Um, okay, that was four questions. So fifth question, as always, comes from Lenny. Um, Lenny's been digging into the stats, just, you know, on true media, pawing away at the keyboard. And he just wants to know how you feel about the fact that Teddy Bridgewater has a Q worse QBR than both Tua Tungavailoa and Jacoby Brissett this year. Who, who even are you, Lenny? Or, or Mina. I mean, I thought you're on Team Teddy. That was Lenny. Sure. You know what else he has is a top 10 ranking in uh, the EPA plus, you know, completion percentage over expected composite. How about that? Analytics on analytics. You're supposed to say stat that. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket.
Paid for by NHTSA.